right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out sick today. So Nick Chalk Sports Talk on this Friday edition of the show. We're going to be out early at 5.30 as we'll step aside for coverage of KU Basketball at the Crimson and Blue Show at 5.30 as they are taking on Manhattan College coming up. At 7 o'clock tonight, tip. And you can hear that game right here on KLWN. And you'll also be able to hear KU football taking on Texas Tech tomorrow. Crimson Blue Show starts at 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning with kickoff at 11 a.m. Derek and I will have our KU football KLWN tailgate pregame show live from Big Mill at Ninth Mississippi uh, near the stadium from 8.30 to 9.30 tomorrow morning before the Crimson and Blue Show tomorrow for KU and Texas Tech. I'm going to try to cram a lot into a little bit of less, a little bit less time here as we're out early today. We're going to get to some Bill Self audio ahead of the KU Manhattan game tonight. We're going to break down KU Manhattan coming up later on in the show. Also get to game picks for the weekend and uh, Rock Chuck Pickhawk as well coming up later on in the show. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports will also join the show at 4.30 to give his picks for the weekend ahead in sports as well. RCSD, as always, is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and we'll start right off with KU football taking on Texas Tech tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. kick, 9.30 a.m. Crimson and Blue Show, and 8.30 a.m. KU pregame tailgate show with myself and Derek right here on KLWN. Big announcement earlier in the day today from KU football is that uh, they announced that both the Texas Tech game tomorrow and the Kansas State game next Saturday are sold out at David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. So KU finishing the season with back-to-back sellouts at home. Pretty exciting stuff. They've now sold out seven of their last 12 home games at uh, David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. And and it feels right. It feels right to send off the old booth with two sellouts. That, That feels right to me. Uh, because obviously, the as soon as the season ends, probably maybe even the day after that game against K State, I don't know, they are going to be in construction on uh, the new booth. So uh, nice to send out to the the Jayhawks with, uh, of course, these, these seniors as well. You think about you think about some of the members of this KU football team that are in their last season this season. That it feels like in so many different ways, rightfully deserve to have a proper send off with with that place packed up. Uh, you think about a guy like Kenny Logan. Mason Fairchild, even even Jason Bean, even Jason Bean, players that have been through a lot of the ups and downs of this program over the past four or five years, uh, that uh, will now get to sort of send off their careers with a uh, with a packed booth. So that's pretty exciting stuff. The Texas Tech game sold out tomorrow, and the K State game, of course, sold out on uh, November eighteenth. I wonder why that K State game's already sold out. Hmm. I don't know. I have no idea. Is it because maybe it might be the most anticipated Sunflower Showdown ever? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say why that uh, KU K State game has already sold out. So KU back to back home games here uh, before they wrap up the season on the road at Cincinnati. The Jayhawks are seven and two, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves with the K State game, but they've got a tough opponent coming into Lawrence tomorrow with the Texas Tech Red Raiders, a team that everybody was gushing over in the preseason. This was the number one team everyone was picking as a dark horse candidate for the Big Twelve title. They were the hot-button item all throughout the preseason in Big 12. Everyone was seemingly raving about Texas Tech. I was never really in that camp. Uh, I figured they would be a pretty solid team, but I don't think I, I don't think I was ever in a camp of this is a legitimate Big 12 title team. You know, they've, they've unfortunately dealt with a lot of injuries at the quarterback position over the past couple of years that has kind of, I think, stunted uh, what they c- could be. And uh, it happened again this season. It happened again this season with uh, Tyler Shuck going down earlier in the year. And then uh, Baron Morton ended up getting hurt as well, and they had to go to their third string of freshman, Jake Strong, for a couple games. But Baron Morton is back fully healthy for Texas Tech coming into this game against Kansas. And the Red Raiders, they're a 4-5 and five team, but you can't look at their record and 
draw too many conclusions from that, I don't think, because this is definitely still a really good team. And I think in a lot of ways they were rightfully picked to be a uh, a top team in the Big 12. But I think that they are still a pretty quality team overall. So this is not a game you can overlook if you're Kansas. And I don't think Kansas is going to do that. I think I mentioned this earlier in the week, but you know this, this could be a game where – you might think of it as a possible trap game. I mean, you've got the most anticipated game in a long time with your rival coming up next week. You're 7-2. and two, You're feeling good. Maybe you just think, oh, Texas Tech's down this year. We can we can just show up on Saturday and, and roll them. But the thing is, is Lance Leipold, this coaching staff, this team, they have never, ever shown that they are going to overlook any opponent in any circumstance. And, and I don't think they've totally earned the right to do that, right? I mean... This is a team that still, I think, is still out to prove people wrong about well, what they are. You know, I mean, finally, they seem to be getting real respect. Number 16 in the college football playoff poll earlier this week and, and, and really looking pretty good. But I don't think they're a team that's in position to overlook anybody. And I don't think they're overlooking Texas Tech. And I don't think Lance Leipold and this coaching staff would, would let them do that, would, would allow them to, to kind of just roll in throughout the week uh, to overlook a team. So Texas Tech, they are, they are coming off of a win. And uh, something else that we haven't really mentioned throughout the week is Texas Tech, they played TCU back on Thursday, so they actually got a couple extra days uh, of rest and preparation ahead of this game against Kansas. So they, they, you know, a couple extra days, who knows how much that impacts, but they had time, obviously, to then probably go ahead and watch the KU game last week against Iowa State and and, and absorb that and have those extra days of rest. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that's like a big factor, but I think it is something that to maybe keep in mind. I mean, this is a, they're going to have a couple extra days rest coming in to take on Kansas here in Lawrence, but you look at this Texas Tech team, and again, on on, the, on when you look at their record, they have underperformed, but still, a lot of the metric sites, a lot of the analytics sites still really, really like this Texas team. In fact, uh, in ESPN's SP Plus uh, analytic rankings, Texas Tech is actually ahead of Kansas in those rankings. Texas Tech is 35, Kansas is 40 in the in uh, Bill Connolly's ESPN SP Plus rankings. So, this is definitely uh, a Texas Tech team that Kansas can't take lightly, and I think there were people surprised by the early line uh, from the from Las Vegas uh, on this game. You know, it, people probably thought it was going to be a little bit bigger than it was, but I think that's Vegas maybe just recognizing and understanding that this is a Texas Tech team that they have some playmakers, they're they're healthy at quarterback, and they're a hungry team. And and again, the, the other thing that I've brought up is this is a Texas Tech team that they're four and five, and their last game of the season is, is against Texas. So that means that. They don't probably want to leave that last game against Texas up to determine whether or not they possibly could become bowl eligible, which means that they're going to be coming into this game, I think, pretty desperate, right? They've got UCF at home uh, next week, a game that they should feel pretty good about winning, and then at Texas to end the season. So, again, would you, if you're Texas Tech, do you feel better about trying to make a bowl game by winning at Texas or winning at Kansas? Probably by winning at Kansas. So I think they're going to be a pretty desperate team and really trying to, to throw everything they got at KU uh, in this game. Uh, tomorrow. So, and you look at the offense. Like I said, Baron Morton is back healthy. He's been pretty solid when healthy. In fact, when he has started and finished a game, like when he started and actually has not been hurt, and I had to leave the game, he's undefeated so far this season. Three and zero. Three and zero. So uh, he's definitely a quality quarterback that KU has to be aware of. Former four-star recruit, I believe, and uh, has shown that he he can be effective. And then obviously, Taj Brooks is, is probably the main attraction of this offense for Texas Tech. You look at the offense for Texas Tech, Taj Brooks, he's only had three games under 100 yards. Texas Tech lost all three of those games. So if he doesn't get 100 yards, your chances of beating Texas Tech increase significantly. But he's been really, really good over the course of the season, over 1,000 yards rushing on the year for the Red Raiders. But, you know, I think Baron Morton does give them the ability to be very multiple, and they are still going to be sort of that up-tempo style team that KU has to be prepared for. And I thought Brian Boylan made some interesting comments about that uh, earlier in the week where he basically said, I went back and watched the film of Texas Tech last year in Lubbock, and he just basically said, "We looked a lot slower. Kansas looked a lot slower in that game than they did than they have this year," which is basically a, essentially verification of the fact that KU has been better against up tempo this season than they were last season, uh, and that's been evidenced by some of their performances. Right, you go back to the Oklahoma game; they were they were pretty solid in that in that area too, and they made adjustments as well. So. You look at the rest of the offense, uh, Miles Price is their top receiver on the outside with five touchdowns. They do a pretty good job of spreading the ball around overall to all the different receivers. So it's not necessarily as if you're going to have one guy maybe that that uh, can blow you away. 
And the big question, I think, for KU defensively in that area is the status of Melo Dotson, which seems to be still pretty much up in the air. Uh, KU's been pretty pretty close to the vest on it. I think the kind of the, the biggest quote-unquote update we got uh, is the fact that Dotson was doing better after the game than basically the training staff thought he was going to be after he left the game against Iowa State. So I, I guess, I don't know, take that how you will. I, I In a weird way, like, is that really a positive? So it's basically like, we thought he was doing really bad, but he's doing better. So, like, technically, I guess that is a positive, but also maybe not a great sign for him potentially playing in this game. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Lasseter, of course, came in and, and filled in for him against Iowa State. And you, you look at the Texas Tech defense. They've got some big dudes up front, and they run and they, they technically run a three-man front, but they, they utilize a lot of uh, standing linebackers on the edge, which basically equates to a four-man front. That, uh, that KU will have to be prepared for offensively. And, uh, you know, listen, Jason Bean, Brian Brian Haney, voice of the Jacks, came in yesterday and, and mentioned this. He said he described it as clean Bean from uh, from that Iowa State game uh, last Saturday. And I think when you get a clean Jason Bean, you're getting one of the better versions of him because that's been his real bugaboo over the course of his career at KU is it's those peaks and valleys that, that we've talked about so much. It's that he can be as good as a Jalen Daniels or, or can be a very, very quality quarterback, you know, one of the upper upper quarterbacks in the Big 12 when he's playing well, but he might give you one of those couple throws a half where it's like, you know, and then, and then things kind of spiral from there. But he did do that against Iowa State. And you'd like to see him build on that uh, against Texas Tech and, and continue to have uh, better games, right? So that was kind of the big takeaway from the Iowa State game is that you got Jason Bean playing well, but he played cleanly. And that goes to show that if he plays cleanly, he he becomes a top three or four or five quarterback even in the Big Twelve this season, uh, which is which is very very impressive to say. And Jalen Daniels, obviously, probably I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't really want to spend too much time on Jalen Daniels here. But then you look at the running backs for Kansas with Devin Neal and, and Daniel Highshaw. This is a Texas Tech defense that, when you look across the board, they are pretty middle of the road in the conference in a lot of stats, like rush yards per game, uh, points allowed per game, passing yards allowed per game. They're they're between basically 6th and 8th and ninth in a lot of those stats. So, uh, you know, they've been a pretty average defense, basically, a pretty average Big 12 defense uh, over the course uh, of, of Big 12 play. And you look at the TCU game, they, they got a lot of turnovers from TCU, which really, really helped them uh, in route to that win they had back uh, last Thursday. So, so turnover is going to be critical, as always, for, for KU. And when, when you think about the question of the importance of this game for Kansas, I don't – it's – like, in a vacuum, I don't think it's extremely important for KU to, to to win this game. And what I mean by that is, like, the Big 12 title game is pretty much out of reach. You need a lot of stuff to go your way uh, in order to make it. And you look at the – I mean, you look at the New Year's Six Bowl opportunities for Kansas, and that certainly makes it important. But, but like uh, – I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing for me that makes this game really important is that you would absolutely hate, hate to be going into Kansas State week, going into Sunflower Showdown week, coming off of uh, of a loss. I think that's really where you. That's really where this game becomes very, very important. Is that to me, winning against Kansas State is everything at this point. And I, I don't know. Maybe KU fans. Maybe some KU fans feel differently. But that's that's kind of my mentality. Like I, winning winning that game becomes everything. I think. Uh, for Kansas, and you'd like to certainly go into that week, go into that game off of a win and continuing to feel really, really good, continuing to feel feel really, really positively about the trajectory of the program going to that game. So that's where this Texas Tech game, I think, takes takes uh, some of the importance. And obviously, again, you win this game, and you're one game closer to legitimately controlling your destiny for your New Year's Six Bowl, probably, and uh, continuing to, to move forward towards possibly a, a double-digit win season, right? I think that those are kind of the two benchmarks now you look at if you're Kansas. You look at beating Kansas State and you look at a double digit win season. Uh, whether that's, you know, eleven and two with a bull win, ten and three, you know, or ten and three with a bull maybe you go nine and three and you you know, ten and three with a bull win. A double digit win season I think would be a significant benchmark because when when you look at some of the top programs around the country, maybe programs that don't always that don't win the national title every year. So basically every program that's not Georgia or Alabama over the last, you know, six, seven years or whatever, the next major benchmark for success for a lot of those programs is not necessarily bull wins. It's double-digit win seasons. 
I mean, how many times do you see stats like that where it's like, oh, if they've had a double-digit win season, you know, however many seasons in a row, or this is how many seasons in the past they've had double-digit wins. That seems to be the next the next real benchmark of like, this is where your program is at. And so if you're Kansas, getting that benchmark would be critical, uh, possibly, and, if, and beating along with beating Kansas State. So to me, the, this Texas Tech game, I mean, these last three games for Kansas are very, very important because now you are on the cusp of, again, controlling your own destiny for a legitimate New Year's Six Bowl and still being in the conversation for the Big 12 title. It seems unlikely, but it's maybe not out of their own possibility, right? So that that's where the importance of this of this KU Texas Tech game really comes into focus. When you look at Texas Tech, the things that that kind of concern you for Kansas coming into this game, I, I think it's got to start with Taj Brooks. Uh, Henry Greenstein mentioned earlier in the week that that Taj Brooks is number one in the country, I believe, in in missed tackle rate. Uh, he's been really really good. So gang tackling will be extremely important for Kansas. You got to you got to make sure that he is not explosive in the game. I would think if you're KU, and when you look at the Big Twelve running backs, I mean Taj Brooks is probably one of the better ones you're going to play. I mean KU played Ollie Gordon earlier in the season. Uh, they they handled the UCF running backs pretty well, but Taj Brooks is right there as being top one, two, three running backs in the Big Twelve that you're going to face. And if you're Kansas, you're coming off of a great performance against the run against Iowa State last week, and you want to build on that against a really really talented running back. In Taj Brooks, they're going to have to find a way to handle. And then one other thing that I mentioned uh, earlier in the week is that Texas Tech is the only team in the Big 12 with a punt return touchdown and a kick return touchdown. And the Kansas special teams have been struggling. It hasn't been the punting and kicking so or the punting and kickoff so much as much as it's been the field goal kicking that's been struggling. But that's an area that I will be kind of paying closer attention to maybe than normal. Uh, is the kickoff and punt game. Damian Greaves has been great at not allowing punt returns, and I think that will need to continue against Texas Tech whenever if Kansas does punt. And then in kickoffs, again, you, you got to be careful there as well. So that's something that does concern me a little bit because I, I suspect that this is going to be a close game between Kansas and Texas Tech. I don't think this is going to be a game where t- Kansas is going to be able to, to dominate really and run away with it. I'm expecting Texas Tech to be in it and keeping it close. And when you think about close games, it can be those types of plays, punt returns, kick returns, turnovers that can really, really influence the outcome of a game. So I'll be keeping an eye on that the most. Uh, and listen, Kansas has four defensive touchdowns. Why not go get five? Why not? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe maybe you can have somebody make a play again uh, for Kansas. For, for KU, I think where they have the edge, I'll go back to, to the rushing attack for KU on there on the offensive side. I mean, uh, again, I think – when you look at who Kansas has left on their schedule, you have to assume that they are going to have the edge with their offensive ground game against their opponent's ground game. Kansas State's got a pretty good ground game, or it's been okay, I guess, or up and down a little bit, but KU has the advantage. I think they have the – I mean, I know I know Taj Brooks is really, really good, but you've got Devin Neal and Daniel Highshaw. You should have the advantage there and be able to run the ball in this game. And I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about – I don't remember who submitted this, this, uh, this mailbag question – uh, earlier in the week about the kind of the, the flow or the tempo of this game between Kansas and Texas Tech. Is it going to be a Big 12 air raid shootout type game or is it going to be more of a track meet on the ground? I, I've been really torn going back and forth. On that. I, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, I expect Kansas to have success on the ground, but I think Jason Bean's going to have to make some plays. And with Texas Tech, I, I think they're going to try to establish their ground game against Kansas, but they're, they've shown that they can be a multiple offense. And so I'm not really sure. I'm honestly not really sure how this game's going to unfold. I've, I've had a, I've really had a hard time, uh, kind of pinpointing where I think this game will go tempo-wise between the two teams. But like I said, I do think it's going to be a close game throughout the game. I don't think either team is probably going to be able to pull away too much. KU's been really, really good at home, so I would not expect Texas Tech to come in and and take a lead early or take a big lead early. I guess I should say. But at the same time, I think Texas Tech is good enough to to keep it relatively close with with, with Kansas. So. That's kind of uh, my, my big takeaway is I think it's going to be a tight game. I think Kansas probably has the edge being at the booth and how successful they've been at home so far this season. And I think the fact that it's going to be a really nice day, KU fans will be out there, they'll be getting loud, should be a really, really great environment. And so when you've got a game like this where you feel like two teams are pretty close, the line is fairly close within you know three, four, five points, home field advantage can make the big can make the difference in in games like this, and I think the booth will have will have, certainly have its impact in this game uh, against Texas Tech. 
I think KU wins this game if you get more clean bean and you you get the ground game going and you can slow down Tosh Brooks. I mean, I think those are probably the three biggest keys, certainly for Kansas, is get the ground game going with, with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw and then focus on making sure Jason Bean is comfortable and, and plays a clean game and then trying to, to limit Tosh Brooks. And I think if you're Kansas and you get off to a quick start in this game, that in and of itself could limit Taj Brooks because it's going to force Texas Tech to be throwing the ball more, which Taj Brooks, by the way, has been good, pretty good out of the backfield, I think, receiving-wise, but that still could could mitigate his impact a little bit. So that's kind of where I see. Uh, it, for, for game picks, we're going to pick the game, or we'll have KU picks coming up later on in the show, but uh, a little spoiler I am leaning Kansas, but that maybe maybe that shouldn't shock anybody. Maybe that shouldn't shock anybody that I'm leaning Kansas, but uh, we'll leave it at that. So KU and Texas Tech that coming up tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. kick. Crimson and Blue show starts at 9:30. Derek and I will be out at Big Mill at the corner of Ninth and Mississippi ahead of the game tomorrow morning from 8:30 to 9:30 with the KU KLWN tailgate pregame show, leading right into the Crimson and Blue show at 9:30, leading right into kickoff for KU and Texas Tech at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll have some talk about uh, KU Manhattan coming up later on in the show. That game, of course, coming up tonight on the men's basketball side at Allen Fieldhouse. We'll be out a little bit early today at 5.30 to step aside for Crimson and Blue show coverage before tip-off of KU in Manhattan at 7 o'clock. We'll get more deeper into that game coming up later on in the show. Also going to have Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports join the show coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We're going to get to some audio. Had a chance to hear from Devin Neal and Kobe Bryant earlier in the week ahead of this KU Texas Tech game. We're going to get to that next here on RCST. You're listening to Rock Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch service makes my body feel loose and limber and gets rid of some of those day-to-day aches I have from a long day at the office or working out at the gym. During the stretches, all you need to do is relax and breathe deep and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have massages, rapid tension services, and advanced skin care. That's Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and South Black Bob Road in Aletha. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out sick today, but it is that time on a Friday where we are joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports to give us some of the uh, game picks for the weekend coming up. And Lee, this first one, some big news today has kind of maybe affected this one a little bit. Michigan is taking on Penn State. The Wolverines favored, but I don't know. Does that uh, situation with Jim Harbaugh change anything at all with uh, with this game for you? Oh, I, I think it does some. I mean, they couldn't come down with the penalties on Wednesday or Thursday. Had to wait till Friday after he'd already traveled with the team. So, you know, it's not, it's, it's the Big Ten who, who came down with the penalty, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they yeah they yeah. basically suspended him from the sideline. But I don't know if that means he can still be like in the press box or I don't. I'm not really sure how it works. They, they haven't defined that yet. I, I'm I'm looking for that. I've not found that yet. But uh, whatever it is, I mean, this is the timing is not good. I mean, it sounds almost like an NCAA timing type of thing. You know, I remember with Miami, I think it took them like two two and a half years uh, to figure that whole thing out. Until uh, they came down with the penalties, that whole Nevin Shapiro thing back in the day. So they always seems like uh, uh, the Big Ten is starting to take after the NCAA. So <laughs> I do think, though, it's uh, the right thing to do. You got to penalize the coach because he obviously knew what was going on. Yeah. Well, in this game, Michigan was the favorite by four, four yeah. and a half points. Uh, but again, does that change your pick at all? Or what, what do you what do you think in this game? So this is a tough game. I'm, I'm full disclosure, not giving it to my clients, but. This is the biggest game in James Franklin's coaching career. If they lose by double digits, I think they're going to ask for him to resign. I think it's that big because they have the talent. I mean, they did not show up in that game against Ohio State. No game planning. Couldn't do anything on offense. It's not like Ohio State is anything special this year. This isn't one of their top five to seven teams they've ever had. But uh, they controlled the game. Now maybe the shoe is on the other foot. Michigan ranked number two, just like Penn State was ranked three. They have played absolutely no one here. You have the number one and number two defense. Give me the four, four four-and-a-half points here in the home team. I think Penn State 
pulls off the shocker, they win the game 24-21. All right, there you go. And to your point, that could potentially save James Franklin's job if he's able to get the win there. Uh, right. All right, let's head over to the Big 12 here. Kansas State is coming back home. They're taking on Baylor. They've got uh, 20 points. Kansas State's getting 20 points in this game against Baylor. What do you like in this one? Kansas State might be the best three-loss team in the country. I mean, you got to give that team credit. They were nowhere in that game against Texas. At one point, I'm like, this is going to be a 30 nothing lead here at halftime, but they battle back. Their coach, well, problem is, once they get to the goal line, you get within the 10-yard line, they just don't have the receiver. They can get separation. They can make a play against uh, a good and talented Texas defense. They beat Baylor 31-3 to last year on the road. Baylor does... Not one thing well. They own three wins this year. One of them's against Long Island. The other two are against Cincinnati and UCF here. I like Kansas State big here, 45-13. All right, I'll keep it in the Big 12 here. Texas, a team you just alluded to against Kansas State that allowed that big comeback. They still got that win, though. Now they're taking on TCU, getting 10.5 points. What do you like in this game for uh, for Texas? You know, I'd, I'd take TCU if Malik Murphy was playing. I mean, he had a couple runs of like three or four passes where he looked great, and then he would throw the next two, three, four passes, I mean, in the ground, not even close to the receiver. But with Quinn Ewers coming back, I think that this team is going to be revitalized. I think they're going to be ready to go, uh, ready to make their stretch run here. TCU is one of these teams. They just don't, they don't have the sophistication in the athletes they had last year. Texas, they play their... B minus B game. I think they win this game easy. I like Texas here, forty four to twenty three. Kind of a game with a weird line here. Oklahoma State against UCF. Oklahoma State, you could argue, maybe one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, big win against Oklahoma for you know they they don't get to beat Oklahoma very many times, right? And they're looking like they're right. in the driver's seat to make the Big Twelve title game. But a tight line here on the road against UCF, just two and a half. Uh, what, what do you make of that? And what do you what do you like in this game? Yeah, you know, I thought the line should probably have been about four and a half, five. But, you know, UCF does have a history, playing really well at home in the bounce house. Uh, they played a little bit better of late. Uh, they got their quarterback back, R.J. Harvey, four straight 100-yard rushing games. But the problem is the defense, ranked 109th in the country here. Whatever R.J. Harvey can do, I think Ollie Gordon can do better. And... I just I'm going to keep riding that hot team here. I mean, some maybe something strange happens here, and they turn the ball over three or four times. But you got to keep riding that hot horse here. Um, they look like a Big Ten con- contender. Uh, UCF looks like the pretender here. Oklahoma State should be a fun game though. Thirty-eight, thirty-four. There you go. Oh, nice little high-scoring game there. Yep. Now to uh, a game very important here in Lawrence for Kansas. They're taking on Texas Tech. Another game where maybe some local Kansas fans maybe thought the line should have been a little bit bigger. But here, Kansas getting anywhere between three and four points against against uh, Texas Tech. What do you like about this matchup here in Lawrence? So if this was, like, let's say, a pick game and it was being played in Texas Tech, I, I think you, give, you, you take a look at Texas Tech, but the problem is they just do not travel well. Two and fourteen straight up on the road since 2019, and in those 16 games where they lost 14, just six and ten against the spread. They're minus six in turnover ratio. So, you know they they go on the road and they'll fumble the ball. Their coaching staff sometimes they'll have three or four great running plays, and all of a sudden they try double reverse pass. Uh, that's where they fail. Jason Bean looks like the guy now. I think he believes in himself. The team believes in him. He is the guy. And the Kansas defense, quietly under the radar, coming around, giving up just more than 27 points in three of the nine games this year. I'm going to keep riding Kansas here, too, 38-28. Yeah, and to your point, Kansas has been they've been great at home, too, right? So when you have that yeah. uh, correlation between Texas Tech struggling on the road and Kansas great at home, uh, personally, I'm, I'm a fan of that pickly. But, hey, uh, also you got your free play this week. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yep. Uh, free play is going to be Oklahoma and West Virginia. Does Oklahoma get up off the mat after two straight losses? Uh, or, you know, is West Virginia a team that's 6-3? and three? Very, very easily could have been 7-2 and two if not for that Hail Mary. You want to get that game for free. I have a real strong opinion on this game. Be one of the first five callers. Call 800-400-9741. First five callers, we're going to give them. Oklahoma and West Virginia on me, and how about this, guys? We are now uh, in Week 11 college football. We've only had two 
40 to 50 unit plays on our service the entire year. We rate our games from 10 to 50 units. We are lifetime 62 and 20 on these 40 to 50 unit plays. First time ever in the history of my company, we have two on the same weekend, a college game on Saturday, an NFL play on Sunday. Normally you've got to be a monthly or season subscriber. I'm opening it up. I'm in a great mood. I know if I win for you, you're going to want to come on board for the rest of the year Try out some of these other sports. We've got the UFC going this weekend. Six selections, $47 there, a huge card, UFC, pay-per-view, two ninety-five. So you want to get the two selections, and I'm going to also throw in five more selections in college football in the NFL. Seven selections total, $117. How do you hop on board? Just one place, ParamountSports.com. You heard the man. That is Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Lee, thanks so much for joining us again this week. Look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. Take care. All right, thank you. That was Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports here joining us on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, giving us a little bit of insight on some of his game picks for the weekend. We're going to take a short time out here on RCST. When we come back, we'll get into our game picks for the weekend. Myself and Derek, so you want to keep it locked right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. That's coming up next. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right, that time on a Friday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll get into some game picks. Game picks of some of the biggest games of the week. And if you've been following me throughout this season, I have been killing it in game picks over the course of the season. I'm 62 and 48 and 4 overall on the year. And I went 8 and 2 overall last week across uh, college football in the NFL. 4 and 1 in college, 4 and 1 in the NFL. I've been on a roll lately. I uh, haven't been doing as well in college, but in the NFL, I've been doing good. Derek, meanwhile, is 56 and 56 and 2 on the year. So exactly even pretty much and uh, he's just 20 and 28 and 2 in college football but he also did go he also did go 4 and 1 last week in the NFL last week Derek went 3 and 2 All right so in college football I'm 24 and 24 and 2 overall Derek 20 and 28 and 2 overall into the games first up the biggest game of the Saturday possibly Michigan at Penn State the Wolverines they're getting four and a half the line might be moving with uh, with how things have been going. That's the line we're going to be operating with here with uh, the Jim Harbaugh stuff. Jim Harbaugh earlier today suspended from the sidelines for the last three games of the season. Nobody really knows what that means. Uh, amid the sign-stealing investigation slash probe, there's been a back and forth. It's just it's it's insane. The 30 for 30 in like 10 years is going to be awesome uh, as we continue to learn more about whatever was going on or not going on uh, through the sign-stealing situation. But... For that reason, I think that's going to be just enough of a distraction. This is Penn State's one chance. This is Penn State's one legitimate chance to beat a Michigan, to beat an Ohio State. Their best chance they've had probably since, honestly, I mean, going back to Ohio State, they had a pretty good chance there. That was on the road, though. They have to win this game. Penn State has to win this game. This is a James Franklin legacy game. Give me Penn State. Derek has decided to go against that. He's going with Michigan in this one. But I'm going to ride with the Nittany Lions at home against Michigan. Next up, you got Utah taking on Washington in a top 20 matchup. Utah number 18, Washington number 5. But, you know, it feels like the luster of Washington has faded over the past couple weeks. They haven't been as impressive. They haven't looked as good. You know, Michael Penix Jr. was maybe a Heisman favorite, uh, you know, three weeks ago. Maybe not the case now. Uh, I, I don't know. Washington hasn't been as impressive. And Utah plays a style of football that I think lends itself to a close game. And this line, by the way, Washington's getting 9.5 points against Utah. Give me Utah here. Give me Mr. Pig, Pig Farmer himself. Give me the Utes. Kyle Whittingham, the Mr. Pig. They're going to keep this game close. I don't know. I mean, is Pig Farmer really going to go and beat Washington? I don't think so, but I think he keeps it within 10 points. So give me Utah here. Derek is in agreement with me. He has also gone with Utah for this game against Washington. Uh, again, Washington, nine-and-a-half-point favorites, but uh, when you got a chance to bet on Mr. Pig, you got to take it. Give me Utah. 
All right, Tennessee, number 13, Tennessee, is at number 14, Missouri. The Tigers coming off that tight game against Georgia where they fell short. They fell short in that one. And a game that was maybe closer than people thought it might be, but uh, I don't know. Is anyone trying to – is anyone really buying in with Missouri here? I don't, I don't know. Tennessee is favored by two points here on the road against Missouri. And this is a – this is a heart pick for me. I'm taking Tennessee. I don't feel great about it. I've I've consistently said that Joe Milton's been overrated, but I'm not gonna bet on. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bet on Eli Dorkwitz. Okay, I'm not doing it. Give me Tennessee against Missouri. Derek has decided to go with the Tigers here, so Derek uh, picking Missouri here against Tennessee. But uh, I'll go with the with the Volunteers. I don't feel good about it, but I don't want to pick Missouri, so I'll take I'll take Tennessee. Uh, another big one in the SEC, number nine, Ole Miss, at number two, Georgia. I've got to make fun of Georgia because it seems like the books don't know what to do with Georgia. Every week they just set the line at 14, 15 points with Georgia, and they don't, and they just leave it there because that's kind of what Georgia's been doing. Well, against Ole Miss, it's at minus 10.5 uh, against Ole Miss. So the Bulldogs are by 10.5 points against Ole Miss. I'm not really sure. I'm going to lean towards Georgia here. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Ole Miss really has the juice totally to uh, to, to get this one done against Georgia. I'm going to go with the dogs. Uh, and Derek, he's decided that he also wants to go with the Georgia Bulldogs here. So two picks for Georgia over Ole Miss with Georgia getting 10.5 points against Ole Miss. Back out to the Pac-12. USC is taking on number six, Oregon. And talk about teams that have lost their luster or teams that uh, have really floundered. USC, man. USC not looking good. Uh, it's it's been rough. Been rough for the Trojans, and uh, you know they're not even ranked anymore. They're not even they're not even ranked at this point. Oregon looks pretty legit. They look like a, a really legit team, uh, and probably are going to have a good case for the Pac-12 title and maybe even for the college football playoff. Oregon is getting 15 and a half points against USC, which is a lot of points. I was very surprised to see it that be at that many points, and for that reason, I'm going to pick USC. I don't think USC has a chance to win this game, but I think they have their – I mean, what's what's USC's MO? It's score, 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 not stop anybody. I mean, USC could lose this game, you know, 56 to 49, and they're covering easily. 56 to 42, they're covering easily as well. So I think that's how this, this game will play out. I just I, – I feel like USC has to cover here. I mean, I, I just think they do. 15 and a half points – Oregon's really good, but I think USC's offense is still good enough to score enough points to, to, to cover the 15.5. Derek also thinks so as well. He has gone with USC as well uh, against Oregon with uh, the Trojans. 15.5 point underdogs against the Ducks. All right, on to our locks of the week in college football. I've been, as I said, I've been doing really, really well overall in our game pick so far this season, but. If there's one area where I've been struggling, it's been with it's been with my locks of the week. My locks of the week in college football just four, five, and one. Derek, meanwhile, seven and three on his locks of the week. We'll start with Derek. Derek has gone with BYU plus eight against Iowa State, and that game is uh, in Provo. So eight point dogs is BYU, and Derek is going with BYU as his lock of the week. I like that pick a lot. I mean, that that's a tough place to play, traveling that far as well if you're Iowa State. I do, I do kind of like that pick. You know, I don't want to give Derek too much, uh, too much props here, but I do, I do kind of like that pick. So BYU plus eight against Iowa State is Derek's pick. I'm gonna go for my pick. I'm actually gonna spite Derek here a little bit. I'm gonna go with Colorado plus ten against Derek's favorite three-loss team in the country, the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Colorado is at home in that game, I believe, taking on Arizona. So I'm gonna go with Colorado and Coach Prime plus ten. I don't think they win. But uh, I would like I do think they'll keep it within 10 points. So give me the Colorado Buffaloes plus 10 against Arizona. Two teams are going to be in the Big 12, by the way. And Jed Fish has been fantastic in Arizona also. Although, I don't know if you can keep claiming Arizona's the best three-loss team in the country because there are some a lot of teams that have three losses now that are, are pretty good. So we'll see. All right, on to the NFL. In the NFL so far this season, I have been unstoppable in game picks. 31-13-1 and 13 and one in the NFL for me so far this season. And I was 4-1 and one again last week. Derek, meanwhile, 24-21-0 and 21 and 0 in the NFL. He was 3-2 last week in the NFL. We'll start with Houston taking on Cincinnati. The Bengals are back, baby. 
They've been looking really good, and it's all the Los Angeles Rams' fault. Derek is not here to silence my agenda. It's because of the Los Angeles Rams that we have to deal with the Bengals now in the playoffs. I'm blaming the Rams. I will continue to blame the Rams every week. Derek can't silence me now because he's not here. So, <laughs> uh, But they're getting six and a half points against Houston. Give me the Bengals here. Give me Cincinnati. I, I think they're I think they're about to just go on a roll here. I'm taking Cincinnati. I think they'll cover against Houston. I mean, listen, Houston's been sneaky good. C.J. Stroud coming off of the best game of his career, but uh, I'll take the Bengals here. Derek has decided to go with the young gun. Go with C.J. Stroud here. He's picking He's picking Houston here. He's picking Houston. So he thinks that Houston's going to uh, hang tough with Cincinnati uh, in that game with Cincinnati getting six and a half points. Cleveland, the Browns, are at Baltimore taking on the Ravens. The Ravens another team that has been maybe one of the hottest teams in the league lately coming off a big win against Seattle. Baltimore is getting six and a half points in this game. And I, I don't know, man. When I see a line like this in a divisional game with two great defenses, six and a half, that just seems like way too much for me. I, I don't see this game being decided by more than four, five, or six points. I'm taking Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland will win, but I mean this this just smells like a classic AFC North game where it's like 16-13. You know, 17-12, somebody gets a safety in there. Something crazy like that. I'm taking the Browns, and Derek agrees. He's going with the Browns as well. I, again, I don't think Cleveland really has much of a chance to win the game necessarily, but I, I, I don't know. The one thing that does scare me, though, is Baltimore obviously has been very dominant with their wins lately. I could see it potentially being a game where maybe Baltimore, it's it's really tight, and then Baltimore gets some touchdowns late in the game and Cleveland can't answer, and maybe they do end up winning big, but I'm going to go with Cleveland here. I feel pretty good about it. Give me the Browns. And uh, Derek has gone with Cleveland as well. All right. San Francisco taking on Jacksonville. In what you could maybe argue is the, one of the best, best game of the week. One of the best games of the week. San Francisco and Jacksonville. The Niners haven't been looking as good lately, though. They're on the road at Jacksonville in Florida. Uh, San Francisco is minus three, by the way. So Jacksonville, a home dog here. And Jacksonville's been kind of bad at home this season, actually. They've been better on the road. Uh, San Francisco, to me, this feels like a get-right game for San Francisco against a good opponent in Jacksonville to kind of reassert themselves, to kind of flex their muscles a little bit, to to you know re-enter into that conversation of being one of the top teams in the NFC. I'm picking San Francisco here uh, against Jacksonville. Derek has gone with San Francisco also. Uh, again, I just feel like this is a game where San Francisco has an opportunity to kind of you know, dust themselves off a little bit against a good opponent, take care of business, and vault themselves right back into that conversation of being uh, one of the top teams in the NFC and in the NFL. So both of us going with San Francisco there. And how about this one? New Orleans at Minnesota. New Orleans minus three at Minnesota. I, I haven't confirmed this. I, I believe Josh Dobbs is going to be starting that game uh, for Minnesota against New Orleans. Dude, New Orleans is just, they're just bad. They're just not a good team. They're, they're just not a good team. Not a good team. I'm picking Minnesota here as home dog. Give me the Vikings. Skull. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't feel great about this one, to be honest. But I'm not picking the Saints because they're bad. Uh, Derek is in the same boat uh, as me. Same boat. Get it. Vikings. We're, we're in the same boat together as Vikings. Uh, he's picking the Vikings as well against New Orleans. Detroit. Another, another good matchup. Later on in the day on Sunday, Detroit at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Lions are minus three. Los Angeles has been looking better. The Chargers kind of bouncing back a little bit uh, after their big primetime win against the Jets last weekend. So, But it, it is a short week. That game was on Monday night, the, the Chargers game, I'm pretty sure. So on a bit of a shorter week against, against Detroit. And I think this is a game similarly to the Niners with at Jacksonville. To me, this is a game for Detroit where they have a chance with a win here to really put themselves in contention for being one of the top teams in the NFC. And, and you know, I don't feel like people are talking really about the Lions at all so far this season. They've sneaky been having a very, very good season. I think a win here would put them it's would put them right up into that national conversation. I'm going to go with the Fighting Dan Campbells here. I'm going to go with the Fighting Dan Campbells. I don't trust the Chargers to be good consistently. I'm going to go with Detroit here. Derek has decided to go with the Chargers at home as home dogs. So I'm taking Detroit. Derek has gone with the Chargers. All right, on to our locks of the week here in the NFL. And again, my locks of the week, I've been doing great in picks, except for my locks of the week. In my locks of the week, I'm just three and six. Derek is five and four in the NFL, but I just have to say something. My lock of the week this week, it's the lock of the season. It's the lock of the century. I, I would put everything. I would. I mean, I, I don't see any way in which my lock of the week 
loses. And I'm saying all this knowing that probably I'm jinxing myself to make it lose. My lock of the week is the Pittsburgh Steelers, Green Bay Packers, under 39 points. Under 39 points. There is just no chance, no shot in hell that Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett combine for 39 points in this game. I don't even see how they combine for 30 points. I, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I don't think there's any chance, unless the Steelers get, like, multiple defensive touchdowns somehow. I'm not seeing it. Under 39 points, Packers, Steelers. Derek has gone also with an under bet for his lock of the week. He's gone with the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants under 38 and a half in that game. I don't like that pick, and here, and I'll tell you why. This to me feels like Dallas could easily win 41-0 or 38-3 or just I mean this is what that's what Dallas does to bad teams. They absolutely uh, they absolutely annihilate them. I don't love this pick uh, really from Derek, but he's going with it. He thinks Tommy DeVito stinks. And uh, he's going with the under 38 and a half between Dallas and the Giants. All right, that's our game picks for this Friday. And that's one hour, that's two hours down actually here on the show on RCST. Coming up, we're going to get into our KU Manhattan preview. Kansas basketball taking on Manhattan. Pre-game coverage will start at 5.30, so we'll be out a little bit early here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll get into a bit of a little more of a preview of KU Manhattan. Also want to talk about uh, some news regarding a basketball visitor. That was taking an official visit to Kansas, and KU could be looking to, to add to uh, either the 2024 class or maybe add this spring. So we'll, or this, uh, yeah, for the spring, the second semester. So we'll get into that as well. That's coming up next. Two hours down, one to go. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out sick today. Here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Reminder, we're out at 5.30, so in just about 25 minutes, we'll be out for a little bit early for coverage of KU and Manhattan pregame. Tip-off coming up from Allen Fieldhouse at 7 o'clock tonight. Do you want to get into the, some discussion about KU and Manhattan? Uh, but first, this, earlier today, Kansas hosting an official visit for a Class of 2024 forward, Bryson Tucker, a six foot six forward. He's the number 26 player in the class 2024 on 24-7 sports. And this is a very interesting situation that's unfolding here with uh, with Tucker, who his recruitment has been very, very quiet. There's basically been nothing said about him or about or by him about what he's been thinking through this whole process and everything and, and uh, hasn't really said much or, or there's been really nothing about it uh, that's come out. And now here he is uh, visiting Kansas officially and – he had mentioned in a brief interview on 247 Sports about a month ago that he uh, was interested in maybe just going pro, and now here he is visiting Kansas. And uh, Kansas, of course, in a situation where they could be adding him just for the class 2024, but Bill Self has made comments about looking to add somebody at semester to bolster the depth of the team for this season. Uh, I don't know if this that could be on the table here with, with a guy like Bryson Tucker, but kind of a, an interesting alignment of uh, some different factors there involved, both from the the standpoint of Bryson Tucker and the standpoint of Kansas about how this could play out. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Bryson Tucker, a six foot six four, the number twenty six player in the class of twenty twenty four. So I believe that would make him the uh, second highest rated player in the class for Kansas. Uh, I, I believe that's a little bit ahead of a little bit ahead of LeBaron Phylon and uh, Rakeem Passmore. But obviously with with Floyd Badunga being first, I think that make him set, maybe third. I don't know. Uh, Phylon is in that 20 to 30 range too, I believe, on a uh, 247 Sports. So certainly would be a big addition. And again, he could be a guy where KU may look to try to get him to reclassify into the, into this season and and join early at semester to bolster their depth a little bit. And again, at six foot six, that would slot him into a position where he could maybe help uh, bolster behind Kevin McCuller and uh, maybe even play some 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 guard minutes as well for KU. So something very interesting to keep an eye on. All right, as I said, KU taking on Manhattan tonight. This is sort of their last uh, tune-up game for Kansas ahead of the Champions Classic against Kentucky on Tuesday. Kansas 1-0. Manhattan is 1-0. They went on the road and beat Bryant 61-59 to for their lone win. But uh, if you look at some of the analytics here, uh, specifically on Ken Palm, they are, Manhattan is actually ranked lower than North Carolina Central is uh, right now. So uh, Manhattan is sitting at 325 in Ken Palm, North Carolina Central sitting at 309. And of course, Kansas sitting at three right now behind Purdue and Houston. Uh, so 
I don't know, somehow possibly worse than North Carolina Central, but they did, they did get a win against Bryant uh, to start their season, 61-59. They have a brand-new head coach in his first year, John Gallagher. He spent some time at Hartford, uh, but now in his first year as a head coach at uh, at Manhattan. And we look at Manhattan, again, with a lot of these with a lot of schools like this, the first thing you notice is, is a lack of size. Uh, and, again, their starting lineup features a 6'8 guy, a couple 6'7 guys, but they're going to be struggling with the size of Hunter Dickinson. Certainly that's going to be an issue for Manhattan coming into this game. Uh, three players to keep an eye on that all scored double figures in double figures in their opening game against Bryant. Uh, they do have a their, their six foot eight forward, their, who I would assume is going to be their five-man uh, against Kansas. There's a guy named Daniel Rosen, number 23. Uh, he had 16 points in the game against Bryant for them, and uh, he's he's could be a guy that's probably going to have to deal with Hunter Dickinson, but uh, he'll be someone to keep an eye on down low. They've also got a freshman uh, wing, Sado Trero, I believe is how you uh, how you say that. Uh, just a freshman, but he had double double against Bryant uh, in his first game uh, at the collegiate level. So he'll be a guy to keep an eye on a six foot seven wing. And then they have a their primary ball handler is a bit of a bigger guard, number four Brett Rumpel, uh, who is at six four. So I don't know, maybe he could have a size advantage over a guy like Dewan Harris, possibly. We'll see how things shake out uh, from that standpoint. But uh, for for Manhattan. Again, 325 in Ken Palm. This is an opportunity for Kansas to tune things up a little bit more. And even Bill Self uh, said that in his audio that we got to earlier in the show about how this game is less about what Manhattan's going to do and more about how Kansas plays and how they get ready to to move things forward against Kentucky. One other note on Manhattan from that game against Bryant, they were just one of 16 from three against, uh, against Bryant. So they did not shoot the ball very well in that game. And uh, when you look at games like this, and you start to dream about a possibility of what would maybe an upset look like, or what would a situation look like where the game stays close with a team like this is you might look at three-point shooting and say, all right, if you can get hot from three, that would keep it close. Well, they really struggled from three uh, in their first game against Bryant, just one of 16. And also did a little extra background research here. So Manhattan, they are the Manhattan Jaspers. Now you may be sitting there to yourself and thinking, what in the world is a Jasper? Well, have no fear. I have your answer here. The nickname for Manhattan College, the Jaspers, it comes from uh, a a member of the college or one of the more memorable figures from the college, uh, a man named Brother Jasper of Mary, uh, who served at the college in the 1800s. So I think he was a he was a, oh he founded the school's band orchestra and was involved and in, actually became the first the school's first athletic director. So. That's pretty wild to me, the fact that you have a school and your mascot is literally just the namesake of somebody who was big at your school. That'd be like if if Kansas, instead of being the Kansas Jayhawks, if they were the Kansas Allens or the Kansas Fogs or the Kansas Naismiths or something like that. Uh, I just thought that was pretty wild. So that's a little bit of background on Manhattan's uh, unique mascot, the Jaspers, based off of a, a real guy named uh, Brother Jasper of Mary. So. There you go, a little bit, a little bit of a. Uh, that's the kind of deep dive you get on Rock Chalk Sports Talk when previewing Manhattan that you won't find anywhere else. So that's a little bit interesting, but but yeah, this game obviously I think is more about what Kansas does and how Kansas plays, and less about Manhattan. Uh, Hunter Dickinson was was really really good to start the season against North Carolina Central. Kevin McCuller was great. Uh, I mentioned before the North Carolina Central game that I want to see Kevin McCuller in bubble wrap, and he didn't play as much against North Carolina Central. I hope that that continues because. I think, well, Hunter Dickinson's going to get all the fanfare and he's going to be putting up the big numbers and he's going to be the guy that gets the most attention. I honestly believe that there will be a point in the season where you will look at this Kansas team and say, Kevin McCuller is the most important player on this team. He might, and that might be right. I mean, I would maybe make the argument that right now that is the case. Kevin McCuller is the most important player on this team. Uh, and I, 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 I honestly believe that. So. I want to see him stay healthy mainly and just not, you know, KU's already dealing with injuries, and this is not a deep team at all. I'll be curious to see if Jamar McDowell gets in there at all tonight uh, after he was dealing with an injury against NC Central. I want to see more of uh, Johnny Furphy, Furphy's Law, Furf and Turf, the Furfinator, uh, <laughs> the Vegemite Dynamite, Kansas Kangaroo. Uh, insert your favorite nickname there uh, for Johnny Furphy. So hope to see a bit more of him and how he plays. And, and yeah, I think the question continues to be, and this is something that it's going to be hard to kind of pinpoint, I think, early in the season. It, there's going to, it's just going to take some time to really determine this. But where is Kansas' three-point shooting truly at, right? You, you kind of – so far, we've seen both ends of it, I think, through the exhibition games and their first game against NC Central, 
where they really struggled in the NC Central. They shoot over 50% from three uh, in that game. I'm still kind of waiting to see, basically through more games, kind of where this three-point shooting is at for Kansas. Is Nick Timberlake going to be going to be somebody who can re- be relied upon? Is Kevin McCuller a guy who can shoot legitimately 35, 36% from three on, on high volume? Dewan Harris, the guy who didn't even attempt a shot against North Carolina Central, uh, is he going to be needed to, to shoot the ball a little bit more? Hunter Dickinson, is he going to be able to continue to knock down threes at the rate that he's hitting? I think the answer still probably lies somewhere in the middle for some of those answers. The big guys that I'm looking at is Nick Timberlake and Kevin McCuller. Talked about this in the offseason with Kevin McCuller. I think he legitimately has a chance to have a Jalen Wilson-esque season uh, from a leadership standpoint. And I don't know, you know, from a scoring standpoint, it might not fully be there. But think about Jalen Wilson. He comes back for, for one more year to boost his draft stock. He shows a ton of leadership, a ton of veteran leadership. He shows off that he has that clutch gene, that clutch ability, that guy that you can go to to make a shot. And he and his three-point shot was 34-35%. And for a guy like Kevin McCuller, 34-35% would be a 2 to 3 or 4% increase from what he's shot over his career. And if you can show that during a season, now you're really talking about legitimate opportunities at the NBA level because Kevin McCuller has the defense. He has that experience. He's such a versatile player. Uh, so I think he has a chance to have that te- that level of season. And the thing is, is I don't think he, he could very well end up having that type of season. And I don't think it's going to get nearly as much attention as Jalen Wilson got because of the fact that Hunter Dickinson is on the team for Kansas, right? So I, I'm, I'm just going to continue to champion Kevin McCuller as long as he can stay healthy, which is why, again, I advocate for just go ahead and uh, go ahead and bubble wrap that guy. Just bubble wrap him up. Bubble wrap him up. Uh, don't let him get hurt. Uh, and then uh, get ready for Kentucky with, with Kevin McCuller. But, yeah, Johnny Furphy. Be curious to see if we see Jamari McDowell. And then obviously Marco Jackson as well. Touched on it with him as well. You know, a guy that it's clear Bill Self wants him to stop thinking and start playing. And as part of that, he's kind of taking the ball out of his hand in terms of a a, a point guard role and a primary ball handler role and just trying to think, get him in a situation where he can where he can do that, where he can just go play, right? And you see players like that where sometimes the worst thing you can do is think. You know, sometimes the worst thing you can do is think. You just want to go out there and just play play by instinct, play how you how you play, right? And don't try to think overthink things too much. That kind of seems to be where El Marco is at right now, and he's got some time to still iron things out and figure things out. But you know, when you look at a guy like El Marco Jackson, he could be the one that maybe is it would be making the biggest difference between the, this Kansas team's floor and ceiling. You know, if he if he hits his ceiling. The sky could be the limit for this Kansas team, but if he kind of struggles, maybe that kind of caps what the what the real ceiling of this Kansas team can be, just because of his explosiveness and what he could possibly bring uh, when playing at a high level. So, keep an eye on Marco Jackson certainly as well. That fifth starting spot sounds like it's going to be a Marco Jackson, but again, uh, I'm now more into the camp of I don't think it really matters which guy is starting there between Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, and even somebody like Johnny Furphy. They're all going to be playing anywhere between twenty to fifteen to twenty five minutes probably. So I'm not going to read the tea leaves too much on specifically who is getting the start. Uh, although it is interesting that El Marco continues to get the start because Bill Self in the past has gone maybe more more towards experience, which would lend itself maybe towards more Nick Timberlake. But, but, uh, and on top of that with El Marco maybe struggling early on, but it sounds like he's sticking with him. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Kansas, by the way, big favorites, 36 point favorites, I believe was, was the last that I, uh, was the last that I saw on uh, on DraftKings against Manhattan and, and again there's a possibility Manhattan according to Ken Palm might be worse than uh, the North Carolina Central so uh, I think Kansas wins and covers if they just if they settle themselves and get off to the fast start and feed Hunter Dickinson and get everybody involved and and uh, play their game you know I mean it sounds like Manhattan might try to throw some different stuff at them we'll see but uh, if Kansas just does their thing obviously they are this the superior team talent wise and, and skill wise and so so I, I think Kansas should roll in this game pretty comfortably, especially when you look at Manhattan. And like I said, they don't appear to be a great three-point shooting team. That's sometimes the one thing that maybe keeps games like this a little bit closer, but uh, they're not great at that. And I think Kansas will roll tonight and get themselves ready for uh, that matchup against Kentucky on Tuesday. All right, we're going to take a timeout. That's KU Manhattan. What KU Manhattan preview here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to step aside in about a little less than 15 minutes for coverage of KU Manhattan pregame uh, right here on KLWN with uh, David Lawrence and uh, Sean Kellerman. And then we'll get to the tip-off of KU and Manhattan coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Coming up, we're going to get into our Rock Chalk Pickahawk as well as 
Uh, last second game picks for KU and Texas Tech also on the football field. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Just a little less than 10 minutes left here in the show today before we get out a little bit early to bring you pregame coverage of KU basketball and Manhattan coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. And also have KU football tomorrow on our airwaves right here on KLWN with uh, our KU football KLWN tailgate pregame show starting at 8.30 a.m. tomorrow morning until 9.30. And then at 9.30, it will switch over to Crimson and Blue show coverage and 11 a.m. kickoff for KU and Texas Tech. All right, very quickly, we're going to get to our Rock Chuck Pickahawk for tonight's game between KU and Manhattan. We've gone back to the original rules. Come back to the original rules of the founding father of Rock Chuck Pickahawk, Brian Haney. One point for every point scored, two points for rebounds and assists, three points for blocks and seals, and minus one point for every minute played. Derek is 2-1. and one. Well, he's actually 0-1 because we didn't count the exhibitions. He's 0-1. I'm 1-0. The exhibitions did not count. Don't let uh, the media narrative from Derek convince you anything otherwise. I'm 1-0. Uh, Derek got the first pick with uh, this draft that we did uh, via text message earlier today with Derek being sick today. Uh, he picked Hunter Dickinson. I went with Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. Derek went with KJ Adams and Parker Brown. I got Nick Timberlake and Michael Jankovic. And then I got uh, Johnny Furphy and Jamari McDowell. Derek got Marco Jackson, Dylan Wilhite, and then he went with Justin Cross at the end. Of course, you got a couple injuries going on there, so you know you can't really go with some of the other walk-ons there towards the end. So. So I got Kevin McCuller, Dewan Harris, Nick Timberlake, Michael Jankovic, Johnny Furphy, and Jamar McDowell. Derek got Hunter Dickinson, KJ Adams, Parker Brown, Elmarco Jackson, Dylan Wilhite, and Justin Cross. That is Rock Chalk Pickahawk. We'll have the uh, recap on Monday's show of who won. And obviously, again, I am 1-0. The exhibition games did not count. I'm undefeated. Don't let Derek uh, convince you anything otherwise. All right, real quickly, let's run through our KU game picks. We'll start in football. I'm 9-9 and in KU game picks. Derek is 6-12. and Kansas is minus four, minus three and a half, wherever you, you might find it right now against Texas Tech. Derek has gone with Texas Tech. So KU is 2-22 and 22 all time against Texas Tech, and, and they never beaten the Red Raiders by more than three points. Uh, and Derek also wrote a note here that he said, per William, I need to pick the other team as well to keep things going for KU. Uh, I'm obviously going to ride with Kansas here. I do think this is going to be a close game, and I do think Tech is going to keep it close, but... I see Kansas winning this game going away late by maybe six points or ten points, I think, late in the game. So I'm going with uh I'm going with Kansas here. Over under 62 and a half. That feels pretty high to me. I'm gonna go with under. Derek also took the under there on uh on uh 62 and a half. And uh, Derek wanted to give a shout out to his favorite prop bet, Daniel Highshaw, over 41 and a half rushing yards. Trevor Wilson, by the way, plus two twenty anytime touchdown score. I'm intrigued by that one. On to KU basketball game picks, where Derek is 3-0 so far this season. I'm just 2-1. Kansas is minus 36, minus 35.5, wherever you might find it. Uh, Derek has gone with Manhattan. He thinks Manhattan's going to cover the 35-36.5. i got to go with Kansas here. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Kansas again. Uh, Derek thinks Manhattan will cover, though. He said that Kansas, He Derek wrote in a note that he thinks that KU will win by 23-28 to 28 points. I will take I'll take Kansas though. Over under has shifted quite a bit. It's up to I'm looking at DraftKings right now uh live. It's up to 142 on the over under. I'm going to go with the over here. I mean, Hunter Dickinson could get 20 with his with his eyes closed, you know. Kevin McCuller could have a big game. Maybe Marco Jackson breaks out. I think Kansas will probably end up scoring a lot of points. And uh the KU defense has been good, but I'm going to I'm going to go over here as well. I'm going to go over here as well. I'm going to take the points in uh, in this one. Some interesting prop bets here. Uh, Dewan Harris, by the way, his over-under in points is 8.5, which he didn't even take a shot in the last game against North Carolina Central. So uh, I, you may want to look at that and say, oh, maybe under there if he doesn't if he just decides he doesn't want to shoot again. Hunter Dickinson uh, over-under points at 18.5. Uh, these numbers are all on DraftKings, by the way, so you can take a look at that. But, yeah, some interesting prop bets there. Kansas taking on 
Manhattan here, and we're going to step aside in just a few moments as we wrap up the show here today for Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Once again, KU in Manhattan coming up with 5.30 in a few minutes here, taking over for pregame coverage, and then tip-off at 7 o'clock tonight here on KWN. Tomorrow morning, 8.30 to 9.30, we'll have uh, the KU football KWN tailgate pregame show with myself and Derek live at Big Mill at the corner of 9th of Mississippi from 8.30 to 9.30, leading directly into Crimson and Blue Show coverage at 9.30 right here on KWN, and of course tip off, or kickoff of the football game at 11 a.m. with Brian Haney on the call of that one uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. So that's uh, you'll definitely want to keep it right here on KWN all weekend long for KU coverage. And that does it for this edition of Rock Jock Sports Talk. Thanks so much to Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports for coming on the show earlier today to give some of his picks. And thanks so much to you for listening. And now, as always, as a reminder, if you missed anything from our show today or any of our previous shows, you can always check us out on the Best of RCSD podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including KUSports.com. That is it for this edition of Rock Shock Sports Talk. We'll be back on Monday, 3 to 6, right here on KLWN. Until then, see ya. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst 1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst 1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast